Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. Hello. Paige, this is so fun. This is part two of four. We are talking about just books today, about our book recommendations that we have for parents. And we've got a lot of recommendations for you. We're going to be talking about what is in some of these books and things that you might want to pick for your child. Even if your child is young or old, we are going to be telling what ages we feel like these books are for as well. I am picky about books, (laughs) media, games, stuff like that, because I want to make sure that the things that we pick actually uphold our family standard, our family culture, that they actually support us instead of pull us down or pull us away from who we're trying to become as a family. And I talked about that a lot in part one. I even gave some criteria for how I've chosen some of these books, movies, and games that are going to be in parts two, three, and four. But let's get into the books. Now, we always talk about a fun family activity, but in this one, we're just going to say, Read a book, read books, (laughs) read books that we're going to give you so many suggestions in this, that we're not even going to give you a separate fun family activity. Oh, wait, I lied. I just thought of one. Have a -a readathon. There you go. Have a -a readathon. We did readathons many times as a family. Summer is coming as the, you know, right now when we're filming this school's just about to get out for most people around the nation. So plan for a fun readathon maybe right here at the start of the summer and maybe it's a readathon where you read to the children or maybe they read their own too you guys decide what you want to do there but there's a fun idea I wasn't even going to give you one and <laughs> look at that it just happened okay so Paige let's talk about self-government we need to make sure that we remember what self-government is because we're always looking through the lens of self-government exactly so self-government is being able to determine the cause and effect of any given situation and possessing knowledge of your own behaviors so that you can control them. Yes. And so we want to find books that help us self-govern. Okay. Mm-hmm. That teach us self-government that hold up that principle. And there are tons of great books that show people, whether they were real life people or even fictional characters, improving themselves, giving themselves no answers, instructions, learning how to problem solve. These are all self-government skills that are part of that principle of self-government. So we are always looking for those types of book and books. And at the very least, we're trying to find books who, that actually help the family better understand relationships and family unity, because it's really hard to work on your own self-government when you are being completely selfish and not worrying about the family group. So the family group keeps you focused on becoming that person that you ought to be, which I talked about in the last segment. So when we read books in the Peck family, we don't read a book just because it's popular. In fact, I had this kind of little rule in my head (laughs) And the rule in my head was that I try to look 
for books that were published before 1970. There was a change that happened in books right around 1970. The culture of family transformed and suddenly it was about the self in culture about um you know well what do i get out of it well am i the victim in this circumstance and all of a sudden it became the victim as the hero kind of a thing and but not not your normal hero's journey not a hero that goes through trials but a, a hero a, a hero character who basically just attacks other people all the time is mean, rude, selfish, unkind attitude. And so I didn't like that. And this was creeping in. I mean, you look at the characters in James and the Giant Peach and, and almost every Roald Dahl book. You just look at those characters and, and it, it's oftentimes very hard to figure out what's making the hero the hero. Mm -hmm. I do like Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. I do feel like that Charlie does maintain humility and obedience and stuff. And so do his parents and grandparents for the most part. So that's a Roald doll that's like decent. That's the one I like the best. Even though when I was young, my hook book was James and the Giant Peach. But my goodness, if you read that, I, I was sat down. I thought, okay, I'm going to look at this book again. It was my hook book. It got me reading and liking reading when I was a young child. And as I started looking through it, I thought, this is so rude. Everything is dysfunctional. Literally everything is dysfunctional. Yeah. There's no principles or redeeming values here. I'm like, what is this? It's pointless. And there's these mean songs that they sing to each other in the book. And I thought, I am not doing this. Yeah. And so I did not subject my children to James and the Giant Peach, even though it's a book written for children. We also did not spend a lot of time reading poetry books like Where the Sidewalk Ends and stuff. We always went back to old stuff. I mentioned this um, in the last segment of this series on my recommendations, how we really focused on classics that meant they had to have something in them that would make us a better person. And just trying to figure out where you put your socks in poetry form to <laughs> me is nothing like that's, that's just nothing. It's absolute. It doesn't fluff. help shake your, or shape your character. It doesn't make you want to do anything better. I mean, maybe put your socks away, but that is such a low bar on self-improvement. Like I would say we can go way beyond that. Let's shoot way <laughs> higher. So, so anyway, there's just so many things that people read that I just feel like even if they're entertaining, sometimes it's just not going to be our focus. And we did talk about how occasionally we read fluff books. I know that you and London both read some things like about, you know, girls who fall in love and they're yeah, and they a little romance novels, things and stuff. Yeah. But they, and they were wholesome. They were really wholesome versions. And it was like, occasionally you read some stuff like that and, and they were fun, but I didn't allow those to be the go-to all the time. Yeah, no, we definitely stuck with a lot of the older things and I can actually back up your little your little mental rule about, you know, things before 1970, um, in one of my family classes that I've been, um, a part of, we were learning about, the this is a college class. She's yeah, talking yeah, yeah. about Sorry. her yeah. university studies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So one of the classes, and I think it was last semester, but we talked about, um, the changes in the traditional family and how that came about, you know, right around that time and how, um, you know, in the traditional family, everyone is worried about doing things to help promote the family as a unit. But around that time, um, you know, the 1970s and stuff, the family changed to where people were more worried about self and doing what 
promoted and benefited self. So mm-hmm. they were no longer worried as uh, about the family as a unit. And so um, that really dramatic change, you know, has obviously affected the world today uh, quite drastically. But um, that's right about when it happened. And so um, because so of that, sad. it influenced all different areas of media. Yeah, it's so sad because really this was a feminism movement that was part of it. So the when when the mother figure in the home, that nurture in the home starts saying, wait, what about me? Mm-hmm. I'm a victim here. And sh- then she pulls away, starts thinking about herself. Then everybody gets, re- you know, they end up getting impacted by it. They get traumatized because they don't get bonding from mom because mom is now worried about what she gets. She's yeah. worried about worldly things. Well, and, and then they see, oh, you know, we, sh- we should be thinking about ourselves too well yeah and and then dad starts getting even more chauvinistic maybe he had a problem before in some homes but he starts getting (laughs) more so that way because becomes home becomes a battleground and we also see then more divorces so that was the beginning of the real divorce influx that started happening and then it just grew 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 and now we are where we are today and so and and i hate to put all the the fault on women. I mean, I am one. Am I grateful <laughs> that I was raised in a time where I knew women could be very powerful? Absolutely. hundred percent. I had an international women's organization. It's a nonprofit. <laughs> Plus I also lead teaching self-government, but I am acutely aware of the power of mothers. And I am incredibly offended when I go to the UN or a legislator legislature or Congress or somewhere or I hear in the courts people actually speaking in demeaning ways about motherhood or trivializing the power that mothers have in that role over society. No, 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 because we are or or you know, blowing it out of proportion. That's the other side of it too. Because sometimes they'll say, you know, oh, all we need is moms. But um, you know, you've written a whole book about roles. And that is obviously, oh, we need dads like too. Our, we need yeah. everyone. It's the whole family unit and see, that's the thing. But if one person in the family unit gets selfish mm-hmm. or just focused on what they get out of stuff or what's happening to them, then boom, everything changes. So I love that the social science and the data and everything backs up my little feeling <laughs> that I had. Cause I'm like, something happened in these books and I can just tell. Mm-hmm. And it's like, all of a sudden everything got selfish. So let's talk about some good stuff because we've got a lot of good stuff for everybody, which I'm super excited about. Yep. Okay. When well, I already brought up one, we talked about roles, you know, that's one, a really important one. And it's so fun to read with kids. Yeah. Roles, the secret to family business and social success. That's my book. Another great book and Paige read this when she was young. And I know many other families that have read it with their children is actually my parenting book, mm-hmm. parenting a house United parent uh, page read it when she was about 14. Yeah. And, um, there is a section called parenting in a tech sexual world. There is a little bit of some graphic stuff in the second edition of that book about sex. And so, you know, if you're going to have your child read it, you want to make sure you have previewed that section first. Um, everything else is probably just fine for ages 14 plus, but they're going to be parents one day. Why not read that as a text, you know? Um, so I am a homeschooler. Well, was my baby just graduated this year and homeschooled all my children. So am I picky about books? Oh yeah. hundred percent. We read tons and tons of books, but not just for the sec- sake of reading and for the sake of entertainment, but we read because we absolutely wanted them to be part of our curriculum, our study, our formation of our characters in our home. And, and I was focused on creating leaders and people who were bonded 
responded and, and understood priorities and principles in my home. And so that's the type of books that I'm going to be giving you, but you don't have to be a homeschooler to read them. Okay. <laughs> Anyone can read them. So I'm going to start out. This was a series that I got given to us and I don't even remember what I got it, where I got it. But when Quinn was really little, someone gave me this series I know I didn't buy it myself. Somebody just randomly gave it to me and I don't even know, but it was a reader's digest young families series or something like that. And it was called, I wonder why there are these books that say, I wonder why I wonder why camels have humps. I wonder why the sky is blue. I wonder Trees why. Have leaves. Yeah. I wonder why trees have leaves. I wonder why my body moves, you know, or whatever. And it's like all these different things that starts with, I wonder why. And so in, I wonder why camels have humps, you're going to hear about camels, but you're also going to hear about all these other animals and things about animals that you may not have known before. And this was a great learning book. We started reading these, um, when he was quite young, probably around four or so he was an advanced reader. Um, my children were advanced, but I would just look through these with him, read them to him and just, you know, a page or two here and there a day. It wasn't like I'd sit down and read the whole book, but we would just use them for learning and discussion. The best books bring about discussion. And so these were books that we started with very early on. Another book that we read memorized from was The Real Mother Goose. The Real mm -hmm. Mother Goose book. And this is the one with like the checkerboard on the front of it. Like she's flying on a gander and then all <laughs> around the edges, there's black and white checkerboard and it's called The Real Mother Goose. And that book is, um, we memorized a poem a week out of that book for years. Mother Goose teaches the children so many things, um, just like Aesop. So Aesop's Fables, this is another really great one for young readers. In fact, for all people, it's just such a great insight into human nature, into some of the flaws that we have as humans. So Aesop's Fables is I think a must and it's been around for so long. Let's not stop using it now to help form mm -hmm. the characters of good people. Um, we shouldn't get up, give up character training. Okay. Here's some kind of like no brainers coming from me, but I highly recommend the teaching self-government children's books. <laughs> <laughs> plug. Oh, yeah. Just a little shameless plug there. But I do. Uh, London, the race says, okay. Teaches following instructions. This is a skill and principle that they need for life. Big win for Quinn teaches accepting consequences. Porter earns a quarter teaches accepting no answers and criticism. Page takes the stage teaches disagreeing appropriately. These four books take care of 99% of behavioral problems and they are all based on principles and they rhyme. So what gets better than that? And right? you can find an animal on every page. I know there's little hidden animals. My illustrator was amazing. Amazing. <laughs> Becky Fawson hearts go out to you. Love it. Yeah. Okay. I'll say another one is little house on the prairie. So this is one that you, you used to read to us all the time. We loved it. And now, um, Joseph actually reads it to Clara, uh, around bedtime. So he loves reading out loud to us. And that is one that he has chosen to read to Clara, even though she's only, you know, almost eight months old, you know, it's, it's still fun for him. And it's fun to have that special reading time right before bed. We love little house on the prairie. 
I and that's love <laughs> Little House on the Prairie. I love it so much. And you know what is so funny is I really think like Farm Boy might be my favorite. And that's like about the boys, but <laughs> there's this whole other perspective in Farm Boy. I love Laura Ingalls' style of writing. She really brings the children in. She brings adults in too. She gives she historical beautiful context. mental images. She does, but she doesn't do it in such a wordy way. Like she does it. So it's like, she paints the beautiful picture, but you're still getting through the story, mm-hmm. you know, unlike, um, you know, Tolkien who, you know, or Victor paint Hugo, the who, you know, the paint, 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 paint. And you're like, <laughs> I think I need to be done with this chapter a little bit, you know, like yeah. occasionally that happens. Um, still great literature there and great hero's story, the hero's journey, which is fantastic. Um, but yeah, so let's talk about a uh, little house. Those are going to be, you're reading them to your baby. They're totally clean. They're totally okay. family oriented. You can read them at any age and any time right now. Baby's just hearing names and concepts and hearing her daddy's voice, which is beautiful. She won't remember <laughs> the stories at yeah. all, but we'll revisit you will them, read them again. Okay. You will get to do it again, which is wonderful at about about the time she's six, she might start remembering them, but you can read them as many times as you want. Yeah. And then she can read them herself. Same, same with the Anne of Green eight. Gables books. That's kind of read in the same alley, different time period, obviously, but mm-hmm. same, same general idea. Yeah. We've got early 1900s time period there. Lots of love. There's crushes and loves, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. dramatic language. But she, you know, the cool thing is the gossip never serves. I it's love true. that. The, the gossip, gossip is always, always bad. creates a problem, right? And whenever you're not charitable, you end up with a problem, even if it started out as somebody else's fault. Yep. And so I love that <laughs> because we need to remember those principles. They're so great. And so we always are coming back to humility, charity, kindness, and learning. Anne is always learning and growing. Mm-hmm. And so, and her love of books just gets the children also, of course, thinking more and more about books. Speaking of great books to read with girls. So we're kind of on this girl's bent here. I think a lot <laughs> of people, I think a lot of people, you know, when they think of girls books, they think of the American girl books. And we did read some of those. Do you remember the ones that we read page yeah so um i mean i know you made it a point that we weren't going to read all of them but the ones that we did read um taught very awesome life values so we read felicity we read kaya josefina kirsten addy samantha kit and molly so those are all some of the older ones and they focused on girls who are in older time periods because yeah, we they were we, written by different authors than the ones are written now. I just do yeah. not. Well, we found that the ones that were newer, it was like there were just agendas there and it wasn't so much focused on like the life lessons learned, but more, um, you know, fads and stuff it's just like, like that. social ideological stuff. And I'm just like, no, can we stick to family? Can we stick to what the time period really represents? Can we stick to friendship and yeah. compassion and values? Because those old American girl books stuck to values. The company had a huge shift um, in the early 2000s. And so then any of the books that were brought in after that, as soon as those new books came in after the ones that we just listed, we just kind of felt like they were no bueno. We didn't like them. So, um, and those would be for like ages six plus read aloud yeah. or one. We, we use those books and we, 
we had a group called Liberty Girls. And so we would use those books and we would read them as this mm-hmm. whole group of girls. We'd get together every couple of weeks and we'd, we'd do activities that maybe they did in the book. Um, oh, it was so fun. We absolutely loved it. Yeah. I discussed those books. It was fantastic. So, and we did little house on the prairie in there. We also did another series of books called the little maid books. So, um, Felicity was my least favorite of the old American girl books. And, and the reason why was just because there was kind of this, like, well, I'm not even going to get into it, I guess. Cause if I, I could talk forever about all of these, um, she was my least favorite. She was the colonial time period though, which I felt like was really important. And she, there was this thing with the horse, which was a big part of Felicity's story where she actually steals the horse and, and then it kind of looks like stealing was good. And so I felt like that bit was a little bent, even though there was a ton of other good stuff that was taught there. And so I, I kind of didn't love that. And so we found these other ones called the little maid series. Oh my goodness. They were written a long, long time ago, long so time good. ago, 1800s and early 1900s. And they were By fantastic. Alice yeah. Alice Turner Curtis, ages six plus read aloud. I bet you they wouldn't start reading them themselves until they were eight plus. There's like 11 books in the series. Um, they are amazing all about colonial people and there's, they meet famous people in every one of the books, which is really awesome. Okay. So let's talk about some other books. We've been talking about girl books. What about boy books? Let's talk about boy books. I know for me, one of my favorites, even though I'm not a boy, but we read the great brain series. Oh my gosh. It was the silliest thing. And um, it's about this family, family of three boys. And, you know, you've got the older brother, the middle brother, and the younger brother. And the middle brother is the one that makes all the trouble. And he's the one who's the great brain. And so he, in all the different books, which I read multiple times, um, he's always coming up with different schemes and uh, different, you know, different things to try out with his friends and with, with and his like, brothers. His great brain is out it again, <laughs> you know, but then he, but whenever he does anything that's slightly dishonest or taking advantage, it comes back to bite him mm-hmm. every and, time. And I, so I love that. It's like, it's like Tom Sawyer kind of, you know, mm-hmm. time period. Anyway, it's called the great brain series. There's seven books, John D Fitzgerald, um, ages eight plus eight plus really fun. I would say, um, there's also, now this is girls and boys, but the childhood of famous Americans or childhood of famous world figures. Holy cow. I don't even know how many books there are page. So page, many you used to read one of those a day when you were like eight, nine, 10 years old. And, oh, and, they're, yeah. and they're like, you know what? 200 pages, but they're mm-hmm. chapter books. Um, I mean, what ones do you remember? You were probably reading mostly girl ones, but you probably oh, read some gosh. of the boy ones too. I know there's ones like Henry Ford, Pocahontas, Betsy um, Ross. Yeah, there's so, Helen so, Keller. So many. There's Gandhi. Thomas I Jefferson. think there's Mother Teresa. Like, oh, there's so many. There's it's just one like on the like, list. Walt Disney. Yeah. Oh, they go yeah. they go on and on and on. There's so many of them. I'm pretty and sure get- that's where I learned Walt Disney painted his pet pig in tar on the side of his house. See, you would never know that because you're <laughs> learning about his childhood. So the cool thing is, is you see these really famous world figures or Americans have kind of regular childhoods, but you also see some very irregular things that they do in their childhood, which gives a child an idea like, wait, they became this famous person and did all this stuff. And they did that as a child. 
Oh, like, like the Wright their brothers. family was what were the Wright and they brothers lived on a doing? farm? What? Yeah, what was Thomas Edison doing? Oh, he was kicked out of school because they thought he was too dumb. What? You know what I mean? It's like, huh? Oh, he started his own business. He started publishing a newspaper when he was 12. What? You know, and so you see all these things happen in the lives of these famous people when they were little and the children just start thinking, I could do that. I could do that. No, it was actually very inspirational to read those because you would read them and you're like, okay, I live like they do. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very similar to these people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. Okay. Here's some two oldies. I mentioned them in the last segment, so I'm not going to talk a lot about them, but they are two of my favorites when it comes to self-government books. Teddy's but- Button by Amy Lefevre. It's, I don't even know how to say <laughs> She's that. French. I'm just butchering it to no end. That's six plus. Um, and then Mark Hamby wrote a book called Hedge of Thorns. In fact, so far, every book that I've read that has been republished by Lamplighter Press, I have liked. So there's a lot of books with Lamplighter Press that you could look up there. Okay, let's talk about some silly books, some silly <laughs> books. Paid. Oh, some of my favorites. I read these a few times too. But um, Miss Mrs. Pigglewiggle, she mm. is, so the premise is she's, kind of the quote-unquote crazy neighborhood lady um she her she lives in the upside down house but um she teaches all the children love her and she teaches children life lessons so some kids you know maybe they have a problem with lying and so she gives their parents a special little pill to take um you know to give to the kids where a little a little cloud will float above their head when they lie you know it's just all these cute little (laughs) slightly outlandish remedies but they're so oh yeah they would never be real no 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 but it helps teach you know different values to kids and there's there's at least three of those books. I, I think we have only ever owned three, but we love Mrs. Pigglewiggle. She's so yeah. fun. And those are by Betty McDonald. Yeah. So there's Mrs. Pigglewiggle. There's Mrs. Pigglewiggle's magic. Mrs. Pigglewiggle returns. Okay. Mm-hmm. I know there's those. There may be other Mrs. Pigglewiggle. And those were books I read when I was a child. And so when I was raising my children, I was like, I got to find those. And when I looked at them again, I'm like, oh, they're so great. They and so you so see fun. some child who's like got an attitude problem or won't eat their supper or whatever. And, <laughs> or he's just too, too quick with everything and makes holes in her stockings every morning. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's like kind of old time problems, but also they relate to, to things mm-hmm. that the children face. Okay. Let's talk about Pippi Longstocking. There's a classic for kind you, of the same avenue, kind of, sort of silly. It's by Astrid Lindgren. Um, fun little book about Pippi and her adventures. And there's multiple books about Pippi too, mm-hmm. actually. Um, good little, just old time fun, but Pippi gets to learn lessons all along the way. She and learns Pippi lessons. does things her own way. Yes. Which actually just made me think of another book. Um, oh dear. And I, I'm going to try to think of it now. I can see the picture. It's a little maid and she works in people's houses and she learned lessons too. What's the name of those books? Oh dear. Francis or, ah, oh, well, I lost it. It's not, it came in, it went out and there's this maid and she bakes stuff and it all doesn't turn out right. Well, anyway, 
Amelia Bedelia. That's it. Amelia Bedelia. There's some other silly things there with Amelia Bedelia. And you can start reading. Those are just picture books. I mean, you can read Amelia Bedelia starting when they're like three and four years old, you know, and, and those are just kind of fun little things. Okay. So let's talk about um, some of our favorites. Uh, We got to talk about Little Britches. I think we mentioned that in the last segment too, by Ralph Moody. There are seven series in the Little Britches books by Ralph Moody. They are, they are biographical stories. They're based on Ralph's life, um, taming the, the West, you know, the wilderness and, and you see what his family becoming a man. It is. It's all about becoming a man. And as much as they really are geared toward boys, um, there's such, I just feel like everybody needs to read about them. It's a whole time. I mean, you can't go wrong with, you know, holding your breath right before you go in the door so you can get a little bit of brandy because your mom thinks you're sick. (laughs) funny stuff oh ralph oh ralph (laughs) anyway and just his chores that he had to do and it makes children go whoa i mean my life is easy i just have to make my bed and do my dishes right you know like i don't have to be up at five and milk cows and then walk to school and then yeah he's out lugging railroad ties from a gulch and whatever i mean (laughs) crazy things anyway i would say that's for ages eight plus i do think there's a couple of cowboys I just have to say this, that might have a couple of bad words, uh, (laughs) just, just so you know, that could be in there. I can't remember for sure on there because I haven't read them for a few years, but anytime I ever read a book out loud to my children and I was just going to have, and if there was ever a bad word, but I really wanted them to have the story, I would just skip right over it or say, oh, wow, that's, you know, or, you know, I would just (laughs) say, yeah, exactly. Instead of whatever it is that they said. Yeah. So just add your own little substitutes in there. Okay. Here's some just classic ones. I mean, Frances Hodgson Burnett, she's got quite a few. Um, she's she's got got a few. Yeah. Secret garden, which is great. She also Uh, wrote a little princess. Yes. That one's so fun. So prolific writer. And so far I haven't met anything of hers that I don't like. So I do know that there's a few of her stories I haven't read and I'm looking forward to those. Um, but we have read quite a few of her things. Okay. So world war two, we have actually quite a few books that relate to world war two. That war is pivotal. It's the biggest war in our recent history. I think we we need to not forget it. We need to not forget the Holocaust, the prison camps, um, the things that happened to people just because of their religion, um, mm-hmm. big stuff. And so Paige, when you think world war II, what do you think of the hiding place by Corey Ten Boom? Yeah. hundred percent. Yep. So I mean, I know that, that was written school- by her from her perspective and it's very well done. Wonderful story. Mm-hmm. So uh, everyone thinks of the diary of Anne Frank, cause that's what they always read at school. But I am just saying that it does not even compare at oh, all Corey to Ten the Boom hiding place. Is, oh, it's so much better. I mean, just the, the details, the story is so much more lively and active and it's, I mean, yeah. Cause she like ends up going into a concentration camp and she survives, which is also yeah. nice. And she somehow smuggles a Bible in there. Like how on earth, you know, like it's mm-hmm. the things that she shares is just amazing. Oh, she is incredible. Okay. So we have another one that is a, the two other ones, actually, um, 20 and 10. Oh, by the way, Corey Ten Boom and, and hiding place. I'm thinking 12 plus. Okay. Yeah. There's some pretty intense stuff in there. 
so 12 plus, but, um, Age 12 and up. Yeah. yeah. And so 20 and 10 by William Penny Du Bois. And that's probably ages eight plus to read alone. You could read it to your children sooner. Um, 20 and 10 is about a school class and how they hide some Jewish children in their class in France. It's really amazing. And the experiences that they have and they have to do on less food and everything. And just a really amazing story. Another one that is World War II, which I would say is another eight plus just because it's World War II and there's some intense scenes, but you could probably do six plus. It's not like there's bad words or anything is Snow Treasure snow treasure so there's children in holland who actually smuggle the fortune out of holland so the nazis can't have it which is really on sleds in the snow right past the guards it's amazing what they do so there's all of this bravery that you see there which is just incredible um economics for small children oh this one's fun we we read this one together as a family it's called the toothpaste millionaire by gene merrill and that's an a plus so it actually like helps you go through the math it's about this boy who starts toothpaste business and um you know he creates stocks and he's using monopoly money and monopoly stocks to like you know for his friends to buy stocks in his business but he ends up becoming a millionaire and he ends up like for real yeah 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 and he you know sells his he he does the math he's like well if we compare the two major brands of toothpaste how much there is per tube and how much they sell each tube for okay i could easily you know sell mine for way way less for way more and then uh, we can have a subscription where people can get it like every month or whatever and we can have people deliver it and so it's just it's really cool to think through everything a business with Mm -hmm. this story. It was so fun to read. So, so fun. So fun. So that's for ages eight and up. Um, The story of Alva Thomas Edison. And that's by Margaret Cousins. That's the story of Thomas Edison. I love that. There is a whole series of um, biographies called the Sower series, which are really great. I mean, we read like George Washington Carver and um, Abigail Adams, people like that, you know, big world figures um, that made a change in the world too. And those are really great. So we love biography, read a lot of biography. We read the biography of Gandhi called A Fighter Without a Sword. Um, and those would all be things for like ages eight and up. Okay. So here's fun. Now, normally I'm picking old things, right? Picking old stuff, but this one is actually a new series, but it has all of the classical elements elements in it. It's got principles in it. It's a true hero's journey and it is a whole book, which I love. It's written by Travis Pond. Um, you might want to do ages 12 plus. Actually, there's three of them. It's a series. They're called the Thaven Chronicles. I'm going to spell that T-H-A-V-E-N Chronicles. It's fantasy. So if you like fantasy or your children like fantasy, fantasy. yeah, but it it really keeps the principle solid. Right. And so, so often fantasy just dips away from principle and all of a sudden we're into dysfunction and it it also sometimes gets just like way dark, right. To the point where you're like, wait a minute, where are we going with this? Bad and bad. Good. Suddenly, like what just happened here? You know, Mm -hmm. but, but Travis, 
Travis Pond's books do not do that. Um, so he's got two and there's a third one coming out and he says, I get to read it when it comes out. So <laughs> I am excited about that. When you crack a deal with the author, when you crack a deal with the author. So I, and I do not like fantasy books, so I'm just going to say that, but these are great coming of age books that are also in fantasy, but they're principled. Okay, Paige, every Christmas, just about we would read something <laughs> and it's not a Christmas book, but it does have Jesus Christ in it. I will say that. So and that's, that's why we read it around Christmas time. But um, this is The Bronze Bow by Elizabeth George Spear. And this is one that we also read as part of a homeschool class that we did. I know that we read it and then we discussed it as a class. Mm-hmm. So um, this one was really cool to read because it's all about, again, it's another coming of age type story. Um, it's about this boy. Um, and he and his sister and that's the true. two main the characters important. yeah um but yeah so he you know kind of gets into a wrong crowd at one point in the book and he's like trying to figure out what's true right and good in life um and then you know christ is also introduced so yeah which is really an inc- just the whole way it happens and understanding the zealots at the time of christ and and everything else it's a very interesting 